This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the third Sunday of Advent, the 17th of December. I quite enjoyed the BBC One's new advert for the Christmas holiday. It's about a small girl who wants to take part in the Christmas talent show, that great religious tradition, and rehearses like crazy. Her single parent dad is too busy to notice. When the day comes, she gets up on stage and, God bless her, freezes with nerves. So Dad, suddenly realising what he's missed, jumps to his feet and dances along, giving her the confidence to shine. It's cute, it's touching, even tear-jerking, but absolutely nothing to do with Christmas, because more people now want to celebrate a winter holiday than Christmas. I know Christmas means different things to different people, and you don't have to be a Christian, clearly, to celebrate. But imagine people marking Ramadan without reference to Muhammad, or Diwali without a candle. You can't imagine that happening. Yet, in the BBC's vision for Christmas, there isn't even a passing reference to the values, values, never mind the theology, commonly associated with faith. So my question is, where's the charity, the awe? The tale of sacrifice followed by redemption. We love the feel-good factor associated with Christmas, but we have to look deeper within the warm, cosy feeling Christmas brings for the charity and the awe that the redemption brings. I quoted C.S. Lewis last week, who said, We live in enemy-occupied territory. You can't see that truth more clearly than if you go out into the shopping malls and the streets of our towns around now. During Advent, our lives are supposed to be challenged by the direct call to prepare, by making our lives more godlike, more functional, less materialistic, and therefore more normal according to God's desire and plan for us. But of course, we all like to have things that make us happy, especially at this Christmas time. If we're children, we've probably already made our requests to Santa and we're going to be looking forward to what he may bring. We all want things and people around us which make us feel good and secure. The things of this world are signs of God's goodness to us. After all, the church in one of her prayers for Advent asks God that as we walk amid passing things, you will teach us by them to love the things of heaven. But there must be a clear understanding of the limit of what I can have before material things start to control me. We all know nowadays the adage that we are what we eat. But it's also true that we become what we worship. This is a problem for ancient Israel and why the prophet Isaiah calls for a clear path to be prepared for the coming of God. Israel had gone over to the worship of idols, of false gods, and this is an important principle in our spiritual lives. We are conformed to that which we consider of highest value. We become what we worship. False worship was a problem then, and it's a problem now. How we consider wealth, or honour, or power, or sensuality, and how we become conformed to them. We become men and women of pleasure, and we worship wealth. 
or we become men and women of pleasure and worship that and become playboys or playgirls or we worship power and we become power brokers, slaves of what intoxicates us or we become popular people because honours and acceptance have beguiled us. What do you worship? What do I worship? That's always the question. And that was the question for Isaiah and for the other prophets up to the time of John the Baptist, who railed against the chosen people of God for having put up idols in place of the true God. The world, according to the biblical view, is a dysfunctional family. As G.K. Chesterton put it, we're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. Therefore, in light of this disorder, when Jesus comes, he necessarily comes as a troublemaker, as a breaker of the peace. It's helpful to remember during Advent that there is no contradiction between God's gentleness and God's fierceness. They're both expressions of his love. They both emerge when love breaks into our dysfunctional world and sets it right, which is precisely what commences at Christmas. But it has to begin with our individual conversion. In the church that Jesus founded, he's given us special signs which, when we follow them we, and become immersed in them, not only restore us to liberty from slavery, but we are promised eternal life by them. One of these seven signs or sacraments is the sacrament of penance, confession. And I need to remind all of us, from the smallest child to the most senior member of the parish family, that we are each in need of this grace, which the sacrament alone can give us. Over the preceding days of Christmas, there will be ample opportunity to receive this sacramental grace. It's not merely the most Catholic way to prepare for a feast, but also the most important way. If the world wants to go about its business at this time, having nothing more than a great winter holiday, we, at least, have to be the ones who know what it's all about and prepare a fitting dwelling place for God in our souls. And following an old and beautiful tradition, families start to set up their crib immediately following the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, as if to relive with Mary those days of anticipation before the birth of Jesus. Putting up the crib at home can be a simple but effective way of presenting the faith and transmitting it to our children. The manger helps us to contemplate the mystery of God's love, who revealed himself in the poverty and simplicity of the cave of Bethlehem, so that we can celebrate well, not a winter holiday, but Christ and the Mass, which together give us Christmas. Let us pray. O God, who see how your people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's Nativity, enable us, we pray, to attain the joys of so great a salvation and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>